Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. Taking time to do this. Yeah, for sure. You, I know how much you travel, so, and traveling with rock tape, which I want to get into. So, just to give people a little bit of background, I'm pumped today because we are interviewing, we're doing a live interview here in the LA studio, aka my, my place, with Shantae Cofield, aka the Movement Maestro, on Insta and all the things. And she goes by just Maestro. Yeah. Just it's the maestro. maestro. I feel like Jill Fitz the same. Yeah. Like people are just constantly like, my own like family members call That's me it. Jill Fitz. So. I, when I refer to you, I definitely say Jill Fitz. <laughs> okay. like, uh, I've gone to see Jill Fitz today. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, so I'm pumped name. because you are local and you're making a huge impact in your community of physical therapists and uh, rock tape practitioners and people who just are traditionally see people across a desk yeah. and you want to help them get out of that traditional practice and help them build their online business. And you've obviously been able to build a huge trust following. I love following you. If you guys are not following her on Insta, make sure you are at The Movement Maestro. And because your people fucking love you. It's been cool. Like they kind of literally, unreal. like I feel like you are an example of someone who is so on the pulse of their audience. Like you're on stories and they're like, and you're just constantly in conversation with them. So I know you have a story of like getting out of practice and you just fucking hated it. So for people who maybe don't know your story... Tell us what's what uh, sure. how that all went for you. Sure thing. Well, first off, thanks for having me. This is like, it's been pretty amazing, Jill, to just like our story of like, I met you five minutes ago and now I'm like, and now I'm in her house doing <laughs> a podcast. Amazing. I love the internet. So thank you. Yeah. But my story was that I uh, was a traditional staff PT. I graduated in 2010, started being a PT in 2010, and I almost quit after two years. I have a shit ton of debt and that wasn't really what kept me going it was more so that I was like you have so much debt you need to prove to yourself you didn't make a huge mistake because mm. I could have left and probably done something else and made more money <laughs> like, so I'm like right. don't go to PT to like but you were like I'm going down this path so yeah, I'm like I committed to this going. like let me figure this out and I was just like there has to be more like I was two years in and I was like this is it like I'm gonna see a million patients a day hope they're getting better I'm not sure if I'm actually helping them like no connection to these people and you it know, just wasn't lighting you up it, not at all. And like, it's kind of like, you know, I was at a mastermind this past weekend and you get this like, kind of like, they kind of lie to you. Like when I say they, I just mm-hmm. mean like, 
whatever you're the reading academia about. or yeah. is it the industry it's the or whole thing like okay. when you go like oh i'm gonna go into this profession be able to help people i'll make a decent salary and if yeah. you're if you're an undergrad they sell you a salary of like 70 to eighty thousand dollars you're like oh, i'm gonna be right, rich. I'm rich yeah and then you're like just kidding i'm gonna be poor but <laughs> <laughs> you're just like oh this is amazing and i can help people and i can like you know a lot of people are coming from the athletic background you're like oh, i can stay working with athletes it's gonna be great and then you actually get into it and you're just doing a ton of paperwork mm. you're not actually getting to really interact or connect with patients the way you want because it's like 20 minute sessions you're just work to the bone like you think you're going to get me- like a mentoring that doesn't happen oh really yeah it's, they can't because your boss is working more than you got it so who's going to mentor you like, yeah they're just like oh and then they see that like maybe you're kind of good and then they're like oh just like put more on that person and like have that person do more and like promise them a director role and you're like so i guess gonna work more yeah exactly <laughs> this is not a good thing so i started taking some continuing ed courses and i took a rock tape course because of social media. Um, this is when you were living in New York City. Yeah, still in New York. Okay, cool. So this was 20, I don't know, 14 or so. Like I had just started Instagram. And by started, I mean, I was kind of just like on it and looking at other people. Like Kelly Starrett was really big. Yep. And it was like the whole mobility wad movement. And I was like, I think I could do this. Like, let me just, you know, see what this is about. Yep. And this guy, Perry Nicholson, stopped chasing pain. He had a, a great social media presence. And I was really like, just, he's so passionate. Whatever he puts, he's just so passionate. And I was drawn to that. And so I took a rock tape course for him. I didn't take it for the content. I didn't take it for like the CEUs. I took it because I was like, this guy is like so in love with his job. He's a Cairo. Okay. Um, but I was like, what is rock tape for people who don't know what that is? Rock tape is a company, actually. Um, they say that we're more than just a tape company. We're a movement company, but they kind of shot themselves in the foot with the word tape in the name. But rock tape is a type of kinesiology tape. So if you watch the Olympics, anything like that, all that colorful tape that you see on people, yep. it's kinesiology tape. Rock tape is a specific brand. It's stickiest. It's the stretchiest brand that's out there. Um, but the beautiful thing about those courses is that they teach you more than just taping. They teach you the why behind it, how to assess movement, how to, you know, progress, regress some exercises, why you're using that tool in the first place. So I t- took the course, because that's like, you know, the thing is like, I didn't really care about the tape. I was like, ah, I don't really care. It's tape. Right, right, right. I took it for him. And then he opened my eyes to like a whole different way of treating and like looking at the body. And I was just like, yes, this is what I've been missing. And literally for the first time in my life, I told you a story at your, your mastermind, like the first time in my life, I asked for something and I was just like, Perry, I want to be an instructor for this. Like I had never asked for things before. You were just like, I'm going to work real hard and someone's going to see me. And then like, that never happened. Right, like, right. You have to actually ask for shit if you want it. Yes. So I asked him and he was just like, I'll put you in touch with Allison. And, you know, fast forward, I get a call and they're like, are you still interested in this? And I was like, Yes. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, I will quit my job. I will be like, I'll get another job at like Costco to make this. I didn't know yeah. an internship or yeah. what it was, but I was like, yes, I want this. And they were like, it's midweek. And so I, you know, I said yes to it. And I told my boss, this was like, I don't know, maybe August or something uh, of 2015, I guess. Like in the summer of that, I was like, I'll stay till 2016. I'll, you know, work. Cause I was going to move to here anyway, uh, to Cali. I stayed at that job for like, a month and I was like <laughs> you can't do I it I have to get out of here because I started teaching I started seeing like you know getting excited about things and seeing how much more there was out there whether you know it was just about there's more to treatment or there's more to life yep. like hey yep. you can create the life you want you're mm-hmm. not stuck in this I really mm-hmm. thought like oh I'm a physical therapist like is this all I can do like right. I felt so like like I hit the ceiling when I first graduated yeah. and I was like and then this 
you know, rock tape open. It gave me wings, really. Like, I'm working on a tattoo for, to, to get for that company because it literally gave me wings. And it was like, you can do anything you want. And, you know, I started traveling the country to teach. Uh, rock tape courses are continuing ed courses, right? Okay. So it's other PTs, Kairos, yeah. trainers, they come. And I got to do what I, I love, something that I really excel at, which was connect with people and like, in real time, face to face and inspire them. Like, it's cool to get a review that says, oh, like I learned so much. Like, that's pretty cool. But the best are when people email you and they're like, I'm excited to go back to work on Monday. I'm excited to go and, and look for other things. And you're like, yes, yes, that is what I want. And I still get these emails. And it's like, I got an email not too long ago from someone that I taught three years ago. And she was like, I don't know if you remember me. And I don't remember her specifically, but I remember teaching there because I had to drive like a thousand hours to get there. I was like, I remember that course. <laughs> I got a speeding ticket on the way home. So I remember. Yeah. But she was just like, you may not remember me, but after I left that course, like basically I got really inspired. My husband and I started a business. My kids now have like a college fund. Everything has changed. So and amazing. It's like, because people don't know what's on the menu, right? So like you're sitting in your ice picture and it's funny because I know that you described how I felt about PT too. I, I don't know if I ever told you this. Oh. I might have. But so I was going, when I graduated with my degree in exercise science, pretty much everyone was going either med school, PT school or physician assistant school. That was like mm-hmm. the only three kind of okay. de- like next levels. I was one of like the only person in my class who actually stayed in fitness. And I was going to go back and get my doctor of physical therapy. But in order to do that, you had to get like 40 hours of or however many like mm-hmm. hours of volunteer. And I remember I volunteered for three hours a week at the hospital. And oh, literally, I just psyched myself up so fucking much just to go to it. I remember like it was every Wednesday morning from nine to noon. I would go and get like it, literally treat myself to like candy beforehand and then like go and do it, and, like slog through it. And then I'd get like a frozen yogurt afterwards, to, like reward myself. For- and I go, how am I going to do this as a fucking job yeah, if I can day. barely do three hours a week of this like super protocol driven, boring as shit? And, mm-hmm. and if you're here and you're a PT and you love working that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It wasn't for me. And I think that if you maybe, and maybe what Maestro is saying is that if you are feeling a little bit boxed into like that traditional way of doing things, that there are alternative options, even if, so what if you're, what if someone is uh, either PT, like just maybe someone who's seeing clients across the desk. And I know a lot of what you're doing now is helping people like create this online version of themselves in some way, shape or form and start kind of building their online presence, online offerings, digital courses, whatever. Where do they start? I would say you got to start with your why. Like why, what is your why? Why do you want to do this? What, what are your, what is your, you know, not necessarily your end game, but like what is your why? Why do you want to go online? Why do you, why are you unhappy with the, the place that you're at? And then you can figure out what you want to do as, as a next step. Because people will be like, should I go on Instagram? And I'm like, but why? Why do you want to post on there? Do you think that just getting a bunch of followers is going to fix things? Or like, what, what is your goal? What are you unhappy with? Start there. And then we can kind of tease out what are the actual like logistical steps with things. And this is something that like you're saying holds true for anyone. I think that, you know, for a while, I kind of didn't even claim to be a physical therapist because I was like so disenchanted by it. And now I'm like totally reclaiming it and you know, I want the listeners out there to know, like, if you're in any kind of healthcare profession, especially any kind of movement related healthcare profession, you have one of the best jobs in the world, Mm -hmm. especially as a starting career, because you gain so many soft skills, which means that can Mm. carry over into everything else. Like as a physical therapist, as a chiropractor, 
as a trainer, you're managing personalities. Yes. You're managing people. Yep. That's your job. And if yep. you can do that successfully and learn how to read, you know, personalities and learn how to meet people where they're at. They teach that in school, by the way, or not really. No. They, okay, so you have to get it from like clinical experience. Yeah, you see yeah. so many people. Exactly. That's that like, your bedside mirror gets better. That's like probably the best thing up to come out of that that kind of mill model of PT is that you do see so many people, and it's a good way to. Pr- I don't recommend you go into the mill, but if you get stuck there, like I got stuck at one of them, yep. like you use that time, make the most of it to learn how to, you know, interact with a lot of different personality types. And it's funny, and I love where, where PT is going. I love that we're having this discussion because PT went to a, a doctorate, yep. which is fine. You don't make any more money. It's more cool, <laughs> but they went to a doctorate to kind but of But you get to say this, that you, yeah, you get to, to say have your this PhD. direct yep. access thing. But in reality, what physical therapists want to do is coach. That's mm. what you really want to do. You mm-hmm. don't want the hat of a doctor even though some physical therapists will come out and say that because you spent $200,000 on this. So you're like, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. But if you're actually trying to get someone better, you want the role of a coach. Because if you adopt the role of a doctor, especially if you look at like allopathic medical model that you're in, the doctor, it's a very passive role for the patient. They go to the doctor and expect the doctor to fix them. And as a physical therapist and as a trainer, you understand like if someone comes to me, you're doing the work. I can guide you through this, but you're the one that has to, at the end of the day, put in the work. The, the coach doesn't win the game for you, the players do. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually the role that a physical therapist, and we're seeing this shift where like, mm. that's the role that, I, that we want with you is that you understand that this is a, you know, a coach, player, whatever yep. relationship and that you have to put in the work and I'm going to help you out there, but I'm not going to be the one that's going to do this to you or do this for you. Got it. So, you know, when I, when I be talking about making that switch and kind of marketing yourselves, I tell physical therapist, I'm like, I want you to market as if you didn't as if you didn't have a degree. Interesting. Because you can't just hang your hat on like I'm a I'm a doctor of physical therapy. No one knows what that means. Most people think that it means you're working in a hospital, right, walking people around with yeah. a fucking yellow TheraBand. And you're like, that's not at all what some physical therapists are capable of doing. Yeah. So that's you know, I, in terms of kind of circling back, like people want to make this switch. I'm like, I you gotta figure out what your beliefs are, what your why is, mm-hmm. what your creed is. Yep. And then we can worry about, you know, the actual logistical steps of doing it online because people can still do it in their community. And you are the one of the, you know, you said it best where your first clients and, and such are gonna be people you know. Yeah. So you don't have to go to the internet. Like what does your local community know yeah. about you? Do they actually know what you do? Yep. That's where I people start. Yeah, that's so true. And I think, you know, it's so easy, especially if people are following you or, you know, I think if they see people with these huge followings on social media, they're going, oh, like, well, of course, Shantae can do it because she has this huge following or whatever. And I think we forget that like you've built up a lot of trust within your community and you don't need a whole bunch of clients to make a decent amount of money. And so do you move people, like how does it work with movement practitioners? Can they just start doing online courses? Can they start doing like online one-on-one coaching? Is it like, basically it's just cool. I'm not going to see you in an office. We're going to just do this over Zoom or we're going to do it over Skype. We're going to do it maybe one-on-one in that way. And then from there, it can be, you know, more DIY courses or like, how does that work? It can be any of that, which is what, you know, most practitioners don't realize. They can do any of it. It becomes a little bit of a grayer area with like telehealth, but like it's a telemedicine, like it's a thing though. Yeah. So what I tell most people, and this is, you know, how I started, I don't really practice anymore um, or treat that much anymore, but how I started was at my CrossFit box. Yeah. And just taking cash. And yeah, like maybe your rates are low for the beginning. Right. You're just like, whatever. Getting volume. You just got to start. Yeah. So I was just working out of my CrossFit box and putting on workshops in my CrossFit box. Because some people don't want to do the online thing, but they want a different model. And I'm like, then create it in your community. Like, and 
don't tell me like, oh, where I live doesn't support it. There will always be a market for quality service. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. So maybe your price point's a little bit different than like if, you know, you live in like Kansas versus New York City. Maybe. I'm not even saying definitely. So I was at this mastermind this, this past weekend, the PT Entrepreneur Mastermind. And all these practitioners are, you know, building actual um, practices. Mm-hmm. That's their goals. Cash-based yep. practices. Yep. They still treat. That's their jam. And there's a guy there, and we call him the guy, <laughs> because he has a practice out of his garage, and he is in, like, he's in the middle of nowhere. He's, like, in Kansas or something. Some some state that you're like, what? And he charges $350 an hour. Wow. And that's yeah, awesome. It's like, you can't tell me like, cause people will always be like, oh, it's like really weird where I'm at. Right. Like, yep. no market yep. for where I'm Same. at. And it's just like, you're telling me that you don't value your services or your time. That's you know, it is a balance too, though. You know, it's one of those things where, yes. So one of the things that I did, especially when I was like, became, I just kind of declared that I was like, I was, I was living in a small town in North Carolina and I was like, you know what? I, I've been, I booked out my clients. I'm working all the time. Like people, I have a wait list. I was like, I'm just the best trainer in town. And like, I know that sounds like super like, like conceited, but I was looking around being like, who, I have yeah. a ton of experience. <laughs> I've t- like literally thousands of client contacts. And I was like, I'm just going to declare it. Yeah. Cause like, what am I going to do? Like sit around and wait for someone to tell me that. And I actually like doubled my prices I love it. and as an opportunity switch for like being in that kind of small town, I was like, you know, everyone else is charging this. If you go to this gym, like this is the average cost. And I saw that as an opportunity instead of being like, and trying to fall in line with what everyone else was. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. My, my time is too valuable. Double my prices. And what happened was I lost about 10% of my clients, uh, which wasn't a lot, but I, but I made more money overall and I had less hours working. So you don't need as many clients, right? But it is one of those like, so what would you tell someone who's, I mean, and I was, I could do that. I had the luxury of doing that because I was maxed out in my, Mm -hmm. in my, at that time I was in demand. But what would you say for someone who, yes, value your time, but also get reps? Is it a balance? It's kind of like, cool, bump your prices as fast as possible, but maybe start low. I think it's start where you feel comfortable because if you can't, the number one thing that's going to dictate the success of a business is how many people you can get into the door. Because most of the time, like like I said, it's a really great profession. You get a lot of soft skills. And it's so like, if I can get in front of someone, I can close the deal. Because it's like, I can tell you, talk to you, we can relate. So if you, what's going to determine the success of that business is can you get people in the door? So don't price it so low that you become resentful. But absolutely start at a price point where you feel comfortable. Like when I first started, I was charging, I don't know, $40, yeah. $60 because there was yeah. people in the gym. Like. Yep. I felt comfortable. They felt comfortable. Was I worth more? Sure. But was I going to try and have this like, you know, marketing and finagling? Like, I want to do all that. Yeah. You're just like, you know, let me just get some cash in the door. That's it. Get started. And then as you keep going, you know, you can, you can go into mastermind, you can look at the groups and then you can talk about, you know, bumping your prices up. And there's a lot of strategy within that, but it's like, first and foremost, like get comfortable getting people in the door, get comfortable valuing yourself and be like, yeah, I can do this. And what I noticed personally was, as you keep doing it, you know, you will get people that come in. When you stay at a price point that's too low, you start being like, I have to move this up yeah. because this is like not worth my time. Yeah. And then you get to that point and you take that next step. Yeah. You know, I love that. And so what would you say to someone who's in a position like you were that maybe doesn't have an opportunity with someone like Rock Tape, but they're going, okay, like I, I want to diversify a little bit. I want to start, I call it a hybrid model where mm-hmm. you're like kind of still doing the in-person stuff, Absolutely. but you're also moving online. How does someone stand out? Like, you know, like, you know, very well that 
the internet space is getting more saturated for quote for coaches, sure. right? So do you stand out based on your expertise? Do you stand out based on just, I don't know, like giving the most? Do you stand out based on your information? Like how can someone who's just going, ah, I feel like everything's been said before. How am I going to be different? Yes, I can tap my local market mm-hmm. and that's unique, but how else? I think when it comes to the online thing, if you want to stand out, stand for something. That's going to be the biggest thing is that, and you say it all the time, people don't buy coaching, they buy coaches. And so there is nothing new out there. It's all recycled, but people want to buy your take on it. So you put in the time Mm -hmm. so that people can know, like, and trust you. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't matter that it's the same thing that Joe said because they trust you. So, you know, the biggest thing about that is going to be the time. And Mm. the equally big thing is going to be the authenticity. It Mm -hmm. has to be your message like I was talking to someone this morning and actually on Instagram and I never met her she's like in Germany and she was like does this like giving stuff away for free thing really work (laughs) you're like uh it doesn't work any other way actually (laughs) exactly I'm like that's I was like give it all away give it all away (laughs) because they're gonna pay they will pay you later to tell it to them again yeah tell it to them in like a, a concise way like you establish credibility by putting your you know, information that you understand out there. Make sure you know your, your audience and so you're speaking to your audience. You put it out consistently so they know, like, I can keep coming back to this person. And you are a goddamn human. That's like on Instagram, especially I see these healthcare, these practitioners, and they're so like, like, don't have a white coat on. Super buttoned up, I guess yeah. that's like really your thing, but like, be a human. Yeah. They want to see, they, people want to know, like, it's, your, it's their health. They want to know, like, yes, this person's credible, but this person's also a human. And that's how they're going to connect with you. Because everyone else could put out the same, like, here is this infographic and here's how you stretch this. Right. Whatever. Yep. But they're going to want it from you. Coaches, you know, like you said, people buy coaches, not coaching. You want to stand out? Stand for something. Let your, mo- your mantra, your creed, your belief system be heard. How do you start identifying that? I think sometimes we can feel a little shame around when people say like, know what your purpose is, know what your mission is. You're, you're just like, fuck, like, I just want to make money. Yeah. What, like, what, <laughs> like, sure. well, I don't know. Is that my mission? Like, <laughs> and then of course you can't say it out loud. So like, what, how do you figure that thing out? Like, I loved how you were, used the word authenticity. I feel like authenticity is a practice. I think at first you're going to sound yeah. like a whole bunch of other people yeah. and you're going to be like, uh, is this okay? And like, you're kind of like a robot. You're trying to like yeah. be someone who you see as successful and it's not going to come off. And people kind of can tell it's like, they won't maybe consciously think it, but they're like, something's off about this. It's For just, sure. they don't, it doesn't stick with me. So how do you get someone to practice being themselves? I know it sounds so strange. Like we should just be able to be ourselves. And it's like, no, it's like, as, as soon like as we that. turn on the video, we turn on the photo, we right? write, start writing on the internet. It's, <laughs> it's like, weird. yeah, it's weird. Right. It's like, I can't just, like, I, I'm like writing a term paper on social media. Your voice? Why are you talking? <laughs> I know. Why do you look weird. that way? You're like, I think it's reps. Like you said, yeah. keep doing the damn thing. So, you know, I have that daily maestroism and it's a post that I put Love out it. every yeah, single day. Yeah. Can you day. tell, can you tell people a little bit about why you started that? I started it. And so what it is exactly. I would get reps. So the daily maestroism is a graphic that has a quote on the t- overlaid on it. And it could be a quote from me. I've done, I've used you in some of them. You know, it could be a quote that I heard that day. Um, when I started out, it was all very movement based. Uh, and it was just my thought for that day. And then I write a caption about it. Yes, people to comment, you have a nice call to action, and you go from there. And I started it because at the time, like I said, you know, Project, um, what is it, uh, K-Star was really big, mm-hmm. Doc was doing his Project 365, and I'm like, these people seem to be succeeding because they're doing something every single day. So mm-hmm. I need to do something every, I need to get something that, that is like low barrier to entry for yeah. me that I can do every single day. And I was like, I can make a graphic every day. 
And so I didn't know how long I was going to do it, but yeah. I was like, I'm going to do it every day. And so I did a thousand days. Oh my God. In a row. You didn't set out to do a thousand. No. If you had, you probably would have quit on day exactly. three. Exactly. I was like, I got to do gonna, this for like, a thousand days. You just decided what? I'm just going to do, do it for as long as it feels as good? As long as I can. And yeah. like I, in my head, I was like, I'm going to do it for at least a year because other people were doing things like that. And I was like, I'm going to do it. What else am I doing? It's not like, a, you know, yeah. I, the time's going to pass anyway. So I'm going to do this every single day. And you start to find your voice because you're speaking and your audience will start to help you find your voice. Yep. You see who's attracting, uh, being attracted to you, what they're saying or saying back to you. And you start to just feel like, I like saying this. I like saying it in, in this, this fashion. I think that reps is hands down in any capacity. You know, like I'm a soccer player, right? But I was in a former life. Like there's a style of play that you develop. And yeah, you kind of take like, oh, I watch the Brazilians. And like, oh, I'm gonna... but as you keep going, you, got, you create this hybrid model and it's yours because you've just reps and reps and reps mm-hmm. and you, feel, you find what feels good. So I love that you call it, you know, being authentic a practice it's not something that you are from the jump and definitely right. if you're looking you know to create something online it's really smart to look at what other people are doing like yep. what are successful people doing yeah try to do it right and then you find your and own then make it your you own do it you know i love the daily maestroisms one because you're consistent with it so people like again when it comes down to trust building it's like sh- i every know you're day. gonna be there every day right and I, I can rely on that second thing is you use a lot of quotes from other people and i think there's a general scarcity in the internet space of like, if I promote someone else that like somehow I'm not going to be successful. And like, obviously you are someone who does that, who like shares other people's work all constantly. And that's something I really respect about you. And it doesn't take away from your success. In fact, it elevates your success. Absolutely. And the one thing that I see you do is you'll share a quote from someone else. uh, And sometimes it's from you. And then the description you're actually teaching your audience based on that. So you're not sharing it. Like, for example, if you share my quote, you're not like being like, Hey, Jill, I shared your quote. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it, Jill. Right. Like you're going, Hey guys, I love this quote because it really reminded me of X, Y, Z. And like, you're teaching your audience. So it feels really synergistic versus like, you're trying to get my attention. Cause I think sometimes we think, Oh, I'll share someone's work and they'll notice me or like whatever. And it's not about that. It's about sharing an insight and then being able to extrapolate 100%. the meaning for your own audience to prove that you have an audience that wants your voice too. hundred percent. Like yeah. the nail on the head. And I think, you know, it, it is a good way to share the people's work while still uh, letting the audience hear your voice. Yes. Like, you know, I, I think that's, you know, that scarcity mindset is the number one thing that you see out there. And we totally, worry, there's not enough to go around. And, you know, from a very much practitioner standpoint, there's too much. Like, if you're looking at just physical therapy, it's something like, I don't know, even something stupid low, like, I don't know, 8% of the population actually utilizes physical therapy. Interesting. Like, there's plenty yeah. to go around. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. It's too much, actually. Yeah. Like, get out there and, and, and spend more time realizing the impact that you can have, not just on the people that you see right here, but in general. And, you know, speaking like what you were saying before, letting your message be heard, whatever you, as you go through time, you start to be like, yeah, this is what I believe in. This is what I, what I truly stand for. I had, I had a discussion this week actually with, at that mastermind. And I've always been a big fan of kind of writing down like opposing lists. And oftentimes it's easier to know what we don't want yeah. or what we've already done. Right. So, you know, you think about like asking a group of people what they want for dinner. People are like, I don't know, but they know I what don't they don't want. want. And they know what they had yesterday. Yeah. So it's cool. oftentimes easier to be like, cool. I don't want this. So like when I was like trying to create this new life, I was like, I don't really know what I want. I knew I wanted a Jeep and to live by the beach. But besides that, I didn't know what I wanted. But I was like, I know what I don't want. I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to walk to work in the snow. 
I don't want to have <laughs> pants anymore. Like, I don't want any of this stuff. Yep. And it's easier to create that list. So also, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, having that creed and that mantra, I think for some people it can be easier to, to write down what you don't want or mm. what you don't stand for. Yep. And then don't market that, but just look at what the opposite of that is. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, I don't stand for quick fixes. So what does that mean that you do stand for? And then you market that because I think it's really important to also lead with the positives and lead with light. Like, you know, even from a, from a, from a, a movement perspective, it's much easier to tell people what to do as opposed to like, don't let your background. And they're like, so like, right. Then they're like, like awkward as fuck. Yeah. As opposed to being like, this is what I want you to do. Yep. No, I, I love that. And I think if someone is listening to this and they're going, okay, um, authenticity, consistency, obviously you've been doing this for a number of years now, like four or five years. Did you have that moment of, I know that you were kind of miserable in your job, but like, what if someone's listening to this and they're going, oh my God, like that's me. I was just talking to someone a couple of days ago who's an occupational therapist and she's literally like, I can't do this one fucking more day. And like, if you are trying to build your online presence or business or whatever that looks like from a place of that like urgency and like misery, you seem very patient to me. What do you say to someone who's just like, you don't understand Shantae, like I am fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. Like what's, I need to make money ASAP when we're in the trust business, which takes time. So like, how does that person, what are some tools and techniques that they can use? So if you're so unhappy in that specific facility, what I would tell people to do is, you know, stay within within what you know you can make money doing, but switch to a facility or a location or a type of practice where it's like, it's not as mentally draining and it affords some more flexibility. So oftentimes what we'll see in the physical therapy world is maybe you'll go to home health which is not so glamorous and right. ideal, but you can make your own schedule. You get paid really well. And also because you kind of still don't like it, you're driven to be like, I got to make my moves yep. so I don't stay in this thing. It's not about just like jumping shift from this out or, you know, ortho outpatient practice to another one. It's giving yourself like figuring out what your problems are. And it's like, I hate this job. All right, I get it because I was there. What do I need? I need more flexibility and more time so that I can actually work on the new yep. thing that I can grow. But I still need to have some sort of safety net so I'm not like putting all my eggs in this basket of my hopes and dreams because then your hopes and dreams become a burden. Yeah. So I'll tell people switch into, you know, home health is a great option or traveling PT where like you're guaranteed a salary or, a, you know, some sort of um, compensation. You can make money, you know, you have that bit of a safety net, but you also have more time and flexibility because that's going to be the biggest problem. I don't have the time to grow. Mm. Or you ask your current place, like, can I cut back on my hours? And oftentimes just cutting back a little bit so you're not there every single day will make a difference. And I don't recommend, because I tried it, like switching all your hours into less days, mm-hmm. Because then you just like sleep on the other days. Like I went to like four tens and I was like, this would be great. I'm going to have Friday off. And then I was like, I'm dead. Right. I actually went back to the the eight hour days. So, you know, ask within your community, whether, you know, your OTPT car or whatever, what kind of opportunities do I have that, you know, aren't as demanding in terms, they might not be as mentally demanding, which is okay. Like Mm -hmm. you want that. You want to be able to go home at the end of the day and work on your side hustle, not be like, I'm so drained. I have all this paperwork. Like you got to cut back on the the passion and the enjoyment that you get from your full time because you're trying to grow that passion project. Yeah. I think that's such a, is there a point at which you have to jump? I mean, I think that's, and so for you, like, what was that moment? Like, I mean, I know like rock tape provide an opportunity, which is awesome. And that's, but it's not always the case. I know for me, like I just literally walked into my job and like quit when I wasn't planning on it. I was like, I literally can't. I remember being in my weekly staff meeting and I was making a list of ways I could make money 
in the staff yeah. meeting, walked into my boss's office afterwards, and I was like, I quit. This is my two weeks notice. Was not prepared, like ready for it. So there was a gap between I had to take, like, I did have to take a pay cut mm-hmm. in for order sure. to go. So, like, do you find, like, people are so scared of that, that the, like, two week, every two week you get the paycheck, it's such the safety net. And sure. in your experience, when you make that leap, do you figure it out? You like, absolutely and then, figure it out. And yeah. how can you feel that trust before you actually do it? I think one of the biggest things, especially, you know, speaking directly to physical therapists, is remember, at least for me personally, part of the reason you went into this profession, because you will always have that safety. There will always be a shitty PT job out there. Like, <laughs> okay. they're not going yeah. anywhere. So, yeah. like, worst case scenario, you leave and you're like, you have some money saved up. And you're like trying to do your stuff and it doesn't work. Guess what? You can go back to that shitty job and they'll hire you on the spot. Yeah. Like you have to remember that. Uh, I think that, you know, for me, it was a, that leap of like, I can't do this anymore. But I had also been doing some of that side hustle in the background. So when I switched, I did already have some private clients. I did already have some one some one on one people. I had some connections that, you know, allowed me to to be able to do that. And you force yourself, it's kind of forces you to succeed. And that's kind of the reason that I tell people, like, if you're going to switch, don't go to something else that you're equally comfortable or gives you that golden shackles where yeah. you're like, oh, but then I'm, they can pay me this or, you know, health right. insurance. Like, yep. you kind of force yourself to figure it out with the understanding that worst case scenarios, like, then you can lean on your doctorate. Like, you went to school for a million fucking years. <laughs> like, you could go get a job. Yeah. yeah. You'll be all right. It's yeah. not like, oh my God, I'm unemployable. Like, what am I going to do? Like, yep. Go back to that shitty job. Go back to the place yep. where Jill was, the hospital. They're probably hiring. <laughs> you know, I love that because it's like, you always forget that, right? You feel like, oh my God, I'm like, what if I lose both these things? And it's like, there's always, there's always something. like, I always go to worst case scenario. Okay, what yes. happened if? That's it. I think that's really important to catastrophize. It's like, what is the worst case scenario? And for me, or, you know, when the worst case scenario became staying in this fucking job, I was like, I got to go. Anything's better. Than <laughs> Anything's yeah. better. Like, yeah. I will figure it out because this is the worst case scenario. I'm living it. Like it's Friday night and I'm sad for Monday. Like Sunday scaries yeah. didn't exist because I got them on Friday. <laughs> like, uh, so I think that it's it's a really great strategy to catastrophize. What's the worst case scenario? What could I do? What are the, you know, the action steps? All right. Like it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Yep. I know. I think that mindset piece is like it's always huge. the hardest thing. So for people you see, let's just get tactical about, you know, building your online kind of platform. Obviously you've taken the last four years, you built a huge platform of very high trust people. I see your people are super engaged. I fucking love you. Besides being authentic, besides being consistent, besides the time, are there any other like X factors that you think people should look out for that are, that are, you know, kind of like big dial movers for people? Like what has been successful for you? I think a big thing is remember that it's called social media, mm. not private media. Mm-hmm. So one, obviously don't have your profile on private. I don't know if people do that. But <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm like, uh, what? You have to interact with people. You have to interact not only, especially with the people that, that write on your wall or they DM you, you get back to every single person. Yeah. Like I don't care what, it, like you figure out a time right. and you get back to every single person because they took the time out of their day to, to say that they liked it or asked a question, then you get back to them. But also with other accounts, like it isn't a scarcity mindset. Like you see someone else's stuff that you like or like they're just a fun person, like write to them, either whether you're DMing them or writing you know, on their, on their wall, like communicate with this person and be a human the same way you would do in real, in real life. I think that's one of the biggest things is like, you're not going to grow a big audience on your own. It's very, very difficult. Like a lo- all of the major spikes that I had in terms of numbers came from like, I got reposted by this other thing or this other person introduced me t- to their audience because yep. yep. it's just the way it works. Yep. So 
you have to create that community. Like you have people, and it shouldn't be like, oh, that person has a lot of fit followers. Let me message them. It's like their message resonates with yours or you're like, oh, I just really like their stuff or you are inspired by what they're doing. Write to them and let them know because it's a human on the other side yeah. of that. I think that's one of the biggest things that's missed is like people, they're putting out content, they're doing their own thing. Like it kind of aesthetically looks good, but they're just, you know, tunnel vision. It's like you got to make friends. I love that because I think sometimes we just always forget like, especially when you're so desperate for it. Cause you know, like the yeah. numbers are so shiny, mm-hmm. the likes, the shares, the comments, like all of that's so shiny. So we post something and then we like sit back right. and wait <laughs> exactly. for all the affirmation to come in. Right. We're like, sit, and we're like, why are people liking it? Why are people commenting on it? And we get like really butthurt no, over that. <laughs> and we don't think to ourselves like, why don't we go and share the, the love thing. and like go through like sometimes at nighttime, I'll just literally scroll that's and it. fucking like a whole bunch yeah. of shit. Because you're like, that's real cool. Like I heard a yes. good quote, you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. And you lead with light and you put that positivity out there, it comes back to you. Yeah. Always does. It Every really does. Every single time. I think that's like a big component that's missed. I do think that where we're at, you know, 2019 now, that there is something to be said about like the quality, like the, uh, obviously you have to put out yeah. good content, but yeah. like it has to like look nice. Yeah. Like people have a, just a higher expectation of things. Yeah. Like, you don't have to like go out and buy like a Sony camera and like, you know, a Rode mic right now. Right. But like people, Doc Jen Fit talks about it. Like your page or your post is essentially a billboard. Like imagine someone's driving down the highway. It can't be this thing where they have to like sit and be like, what is this about? Like uh, right. people, your, your audience that already loves you will stop and read it because they know you've trained them to do that. But you're trying to get new eyes on you. It needs to be like right from the bat. I see what this post is about or it's something that like is appealing to me. Like, you know, you put Pip in there and I'd be like, oh, what's this? I gotta look, I gotta <laughs> She's always this. my carrot. Like it is. You yeah. gotta dangle it. So like people know right away and then they can... Then you can speak in whatever way you want, whether you're like you're a long caption person. I'm a long caption person, I like to talk. Uh, or maybe you're like a video person, whatever. But like it there is something to be said about it. it's twenty nineteen, like things gotta look good and, and kind of have some sort of organization to them. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And it's funny because in other realms I feel like we're getting away with a little bit less formality, like especially because we're used to like Instagram lives, Facebook lives, like we're kind of used to like seeing you in your living room. Yeah. Instagram stories like on the fly doing videos. So like in that regard, I think things are getting more accessible. But these very curated, especially like main feed posts need to like be, it's a visual platform, especially Instagram. So it's like, like, it has to look somewhat aesthetically pleasing. And then you balance it like exactly what you said with like, you are in your living room or, you know, you're doing Instagram lives, you're doing Instagram stories. Like you got to utilize all of the features of Instagram yeah. and like get your face on Instagram live, Instagram TV, stories, whatever, the actual life, you yep. know, obviously. And that can be very informal. People like that because it's like, oh, I, Pip, I see. She's a dog. <laughs> I love it. Actually, that's the way we met. It's actually yeah. through Pip. We, for you guys out there listening, we met, I was teaching my course in Australia, which was already a dream come true. And I met this guy and he was talking about the business side of things. Because most of the time when I teach courses, people come to my course. I've learned not so much to learn about movement like they do, but they're also like, so I want to quit my job. And I'm like, (laughs) Because they know that you're a poster child for that. Like, okay. So like, that's where they're kind of coming. And he came and he was like, "Uh, you know, because Danny Matei is a big name in the PT world for, for entrepreneurial stuff. And he was like, do you follow this woman, Jill Fit? No one says Jill Coleman. Jill Fit. Yeah. Right? Do you follow this woman, Jill yep. Fit? My wife, I think it's his wife, his wife or his fiance, really follow, you know, follows her and is really all about her. And I was like, oh, no, I don't, I haven't even heard of her. So I started following you and seeing things. I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. It's, but, you know, it's in the fitness space, 
which is really cool because you guys are so far fucking ahead of us. And then I went back to the States and went to CrossFit South Bay and Pip was there. And being the stalker that I am, I took a picture and put it on Instagram. And I was like, hey, guys, you're welcome. I didn't even know Pip's name at the time. I was just like, this is the cutest dog I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> and I posted on Instagram and people start DMing me. And they're like, is that Pip? Is that Pip? And I was like, this is the creepiest shit ever. I, 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 why do you know this? And they're like, that's Jill Fitz dog. And I was like, What? And, you know, lo and behold, it's Jill Fitz's dog. And then I get to stalk her and be on social media and reach out to her. And now I'm sitting in her living room with Pip yeah. recording a podcast. I love how that works. So even though, media. like, we did meet in real life, but it was through social media, which is cool. Yeah. And you spoke about my mastermind a couple of weeks, weekends ago. And People it was awesome and inspiring. Cool. So last question. This is, and I could talk to you, we need to do a part two probably, because I think a lot of people, our listeners are probably half professionals, half not professionals, mm-hmm. at least when I say professionals, not in this realm, like health yeah, and yeah. fitness. But I always, they're always interested in the business stuff when you don't really talk too much about that. But I think there are a lot of people listening who are like, cool, even if I'm not wanting to build an online business, how do I get the courage to like start putting myself up there more or start thinking outside the box or seeing that there are other options on the menu? And I love that you are an example of that and you're teaching that. So this is the Best Life Podcast. And our last question for all of our guests is, what does the best life mean to you? Or what does it mean when you're living your best life? What does that look like? I would say that you wait, that living your best life means the times when you're awake are better than the dreams. They're better than the times when you're asleep. You're just itching to wake up. You know, I heard a quote and something on the lines of, you can either dream about it or you can wake up and do something. Mm. And I think that's what your best life is, where you're just motivated, you're excited, you're driven to, to live each day to the, to the best of, that you can and, and pursue your passion because you realize anything, literally anything is possible. Damn. Boom. I love it. Sometimes it's hard to remember that. It's such a good reminder. And anyway, you're the best. I appreciate you. Thank you so Thank much you, for Jill. being on. Awesome. You guys make sure that you are following Shantae at the Movement Maestro on Insta. Give her a DM. Tell her that you listen to the show and tell her how awesome she is. And make sure that you are connecting. And we're sitting here watching Pip just licking <laughs> so the couch cute. nonstop. She's like a licking issue. <laughs> we had to figure out. So yeah, and make sure you guys go ahead and jump in our closed Facebook group. Thebestlifepodcast.com is our closed Facebook group. We have discussions in there after all the episodes. Give us your two cents. What did you like? What was insightful for you? What changes are you maybe going to make? Hopefully, uh, Shantae was able to light a little bit of fire under your ass. Uh, I know she did for me. So hopefully you guys got some really amazing insights and you're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jill. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.